Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park T-Biz Podcast delivers T-News that you need to know. A recap of the week's major headlines with commentary and cultural trends hosted by Dan Bolton. It is the voice of origin for tea professionals and enthusiasts worldwide. Tea nourishes and inspires. It is an ancient plant-based medicine that simultaneously heals and energizes the body as it soothes the mind. Making fine tea is a blend of artistry and craftsmanship The $200 billion tea trade is fundamentally local, yet exerts global influence, employing millions to enhance the well-being of all. Hello, everyone. Saturday is National Iced Tea Day. Here are this week's headlines. Thirst-quenching cold-brewed teas are steaming along, Consider boldly flavored, non-sweetened blends. Kenya's costly tea crisis. And the India Tea Association documents industry concerns. Plus, this week's guest is Ramesh Walpola, Chief Executive Officer of Tea Smallholder Factories in Sri Lanka. Walpola talked with TBiz in May at his headquarters in Colombo, and later arranged a visit to one of the company's seven bought-leaf factories. Combined, these factories produce three million kilos of black tea a year. Walpola explains that investing in programs to earn the loyalty of thousands of small tea growers is one reason why their teas get top dollar at auction. More in a minute, but first, this important message. What makes a perfect cup of Ceylon tea? The perfect cup is from the tea businesses that ensure the protection of all the children living within their tea estates. We salute Kailani Valley, Telawakili, Bogawanthalawa, Harana, and Eliptia Tea Estates. Support Save the Children, Sri Lanka. Globally, as temperatures rise, thirst quenching iced and cold brewed teas are experiencing a boost in demand. The global market for cold brewed teas, estimated at 215 million in 2020, is small but fast growing, with opportunities in cafes on tap and ready to drink bottles and cans. Consumers prefer low or non sweetened brewed teas, not powders or concentrates, and those with bold flavors. Teas fused with health-enhancing ingredients such as 
black tea and coconut milk, for example, or green teas and citrus. Black tea blends well with berries and herbs. Think strawberry basil and mint with melons or cherries and thyme. Cold and ambient teas brewed in carafes and served in wine glasses are featured in trendy restaurants and in formulations for hard seltzers and clean energy drinks. The brewing process produces a clean, mild taste without astringency or the carbonic acidity of soft drinks and ciders. The trend is away from hard alcohol and high ABV beverages. IWSR Drinks Market Analysis writes that globally, RTDs grew by only 2% last year compared to historical growth rates of 20% from 2018 to 2021. The key U.S. market decelerated sharply, according to IWSR, noting exceptions for hard iced tea, cocktail, and flavored alcoholic beverages. IWSR identified India, Mexico, and Brazil as the new volume growth drivers, while the U.S. and China remain key to the industry's value growth. India and Mexico accounted for more than half of all volume growth in 2022. Top sources of future RTD growth include hard tea in the U.S. Quote, RTDs are constantly involving in the U.S., due to changing consumer demand and interest. One trend that remains solidly entrenched is premiumization, writes IWSR CEO Mark Meek. IWSR expects a relative shift in treating oneself to higher-priced products from on-premise outlets to at-home consumption, a behavior learned during the pandemic and evident in tea. Quote, in most mature markets, premiumization looks to be embedded into consumer purchasing behaviors and will continue to add value in most price tiers, albeit at slower growth rates, end quote, notes make. Consumers continue to trade up in developing markets as incomes rise. Lockouts after violent street protests, vandalism, and the organized theft of green leaf could cost Kenya's tea industry an estimated 300 million shillings a week and lost tea production. Auction prices are stable, but uncertainty led Tanzania to abandon the Mabasa tea auction. The Ministry of Agriculture there announced that its teas would be sold at the digital auction based in Dar es Salaam beginning in June. Transactions at the Kenya Tea Auction totaled more than 130 billion shillings in 2022. That's about 1 billion U.S. dollars. Much of this tea was grown in Nandi, Nyamira, Bumit, and Carrico counties, where tea workers confronted police on May 26th after destroying harvesting equipment. One person was killed, a reporter was struck in the forehead by a stone, and more than 100 protesters were arrested. Police charged 11 people for destroying nine harvesting machines, tractors, and a police car, according to the East African newspaper. Ekaterra T has indefinitely halted operations in Bovan and Caracol counties, idling 16,000 workers. Growers, including James Finley Kenya, have scaled back operations across the region due to security concerns.
Discussions are underway with growers, local authorities, elders, and youth representatives, and labor leaders who are jointly seeking a solution. Last week at a press briefing in Mombasa, Arthur Siwi, who chairs the East Africa Tea Trade Association, EATTA, said tea produced in Kenya accounts for 40% of sales at the Mombasa auction. According to Siwi, closing the nation's tea gardens would cost Kenya $2.5 million weekly in lost foreign exchange currency, about 350 million shillings. He expressed concern that idle workers facing high inflation are evolving into organized criminal groups. Quote, Invaders illegally pluck the green leaf in broad daylight. This means there could be some factories buying from them, end quote, according to the Star. Ida sent a warning to members to stop processing leaves from unknown suppliers. Quote, any of our members running these tea factories found absorbing stolen leaf will be dismissed or deregistered and not allowed to trade at auction, end quote, he said. In related news, the Rainforest Alliance withdrew its certification of Kenyan tea estates implicated in a BBC report that led to an ongoing police investigation of sexual exploitation. The BBC expose led some retailers to halt purchases, compounding lower demand from major trading partners, Egypt and Pakistan. Business Insight It is difficult to assess the damage to the reputation Kenya's tea industry is experiencing against the backdrop of a general uprising that began in March with anti-government protesters angry over the rising cost of basic goods. During three weeks of unrest, Nairobi police arrested hundreds of protesters who defied a government ban on public rallies. Kenyan opposition leader and former Prime Minister Relia Odinga encouraged protesters after losing his fifth presidential campaign. Producer bodies have taken to speaking up on industry woes. The Tea Association of India issued a press statement this week listing the challenges being faced by the tea industry in Assam and North Bengal. They say that the prolonged period of extreme temperature along with insufficient rainfall has impacted production significantly. The Indian Tea Association estimates a crop production of 25% in Terai, 30% in the Duars and 40% in Darjeeling respectively for the month of May. In South India, Upasi reported a 12% decrease in crop for April compared to the same period last year. And the Tea Research Institute has estimated a reduction of 50% in rainfall in Duars in May, which has impacted production and led to increased pest attacks. Market exports have taken a hit, they say. Iran, which accounts for 25% of the exports, has not signed any contracts this year. And the Tea Association of India also added that the industry is facing subdued demand both in international and domestic markets, attributing this to oversupply of tea in the global market and shifting consumer preferences. Auction prices are also seeing a downward trend in South India. Tea prices have shown a 12% decrease from January to May 2023. North India shows a 7% dip from April to May. Average prices for sales 1 to 20 for North India, Orthodox and Darjeeling have seen a decrease of 5 to 9%. The Tea Association of India has called for the industry to work collectively to explore new market opportunities, 
promote the unique qualities of Indian tea and address any regulatory barriers that hinder trade. Arvinda and Theraman in Bengaluru reports on tea auction prices for sale 22. India Tea Price Report for Sale 22 for the week ending 3rd June 2023. Kolkata saw some improvement in prices this week. Volume of tea on offer was slightly higher than the previous week. Prices went up a bit, but 40% of Darjeeling sold for 500 rupees and higher. The Middle East and CIS block were active for orthodox grades and prices were slightly better in Guwahati as well this week, with North and West India being top buyers, followed by Hindustan Unilever. Kochi is seeing a decline in export orders. Exporters to CIS and West Asia were selective. CTC also saw a lower demand with a 52% sale volume. But 4,000 kilos of orthodox dust on offer was fully absorbed. Kunur saw good demand for CTC. In weather, light rain and thunder predicted for Darjeeling and the Duars, but this is still below normal and insufficient. Dry weather is also predicted for tea areas in Assam. And now, a word from our sponsor. Hi, I'm Nish. I grew up in an organic tea farm and I founded Nepal Tea Collective in 2016. Tea is not just a beverage for me, but a catalyst for social change, sustainably empowering hardworking artisans like my parents for the past 30 years. I'm on a mission to make the whole world aware of the goodness of Nepali teas and the good that comes from supporting growers in this remarkable land. If you haven't tasted Nepali teas yet, you're missing out. Our award-winning teas are making headlines. Find out why. Visit Nepal Tea Collective's website to get a free sample of this extraordinary taste of the Himalayas. That's nepalteacollective.com. Or just send me an email at nish, N-I-S-H, at nepalteacollective.com. Cheers. Our guest this week is Ramesh Wapola, Chief Executive Officer of the Smallholder Factories in Sri Lanka. Wapola talked with TBiz in May at his headquarters in Colombo and later arranged a visit to one of the company's seven bought leaf factories that together produce three million kilos of tea a year. Mopola explains that investing in programs to earn the loyalty of thousands of small tea growers is one reason why their teas get top dollar at auction. Botleaf factories play a significant role in producing Sri Lanka's 250 to 300 million kilos of tea annually. Smallholders farming tea gardens of 10 acres or less contribute 62% of the total crop, a percentage that has increased over time. Botley factories purchase an estimated 70% of smallholder-grown tea. Only 18% of Sri Lanka's factories process tea exclusively grown on their own estate. Large estates own 56% of the 188,000 hectares under tea, but contribute only 38% of total production. In aggregate, smallholders cultivate 44% of the land under tea, selling to both large estates and bought leaf factories. All sectors compete at the weekly tea auction in Colombo, where quality is rewarded with the world's highest average auction prices for black tea. 
Thank you, Ramesh, for joining us on the podcast this week. Will you introduce Sanjay to our listeners? So, Dan, my name is Ramesh Valpala, and I have with me my colleague Sanjay Disanayaka. He is the head of operations. Uh, our company is called uh, T Small Holders PLC, um, T Small Holder Factories PLC. Uh, we are a listed company, and uh, we are uh, a subsidiary of the John Case Holdings Company. How competitive are Botley factories in a premium black tea market like Sri Lanka? We do compete head up with some of the private tea factories. It's competition is fierce, as you would know. Uh, so we are located mainly in Gaul, Ratnapura, and then we have one factory in the Ginnagathena uh, area. Uh, but the competition in Gaul and Ratnapura is quite uh, uh, tedious and uh, very competitive. Uh, most of them uh, that we compete with are private uh, individual uh, factory owners, um, whereas we are a listed company. The Sri Lanka Tea Board estimates growers earn about 2 million Sri Lankan rupees per hectare annually. Yields average 4,000 to 5,000 kilograms per hectare. So an estate might generate $5,500 per year in profits in U.S. dollars for every hectare planted. Their input costs and labor expenses are far greater, however, than smallholders. Will you describe typical smallholder operations? Uh, so on average, each, uh, uh, I mean, if you take an average, they own about an acre or less, right? Uh, below 10 acres, definition as uh, small work. About 10 acres really goes to uh, proper estate. Below 10 acres, of course, scores uh, as a small ones. So they're typically using their children or extended family to help on the farm. Are they producing tea and discipline rounds every 10 days, or do they pluck on occasions when they're not doing something else? Yeah, they maintain between 7 to 10 days cracking count. Are they certified organic? Not organic. Yeah. Um, there are some few uh, smallholders who own organic tested back well, but very few in Sri Lanka. So a big part of your contribution to the success is training and quality control. So what we do is we have our extension officers that are on the field on a daily basis. Uh, and what they do is they have little pocket uh, groups that are um, uh, educated on basically um, soil management to the type of application of fertilizer to the uh, pruning cycles to the plucking rounds to um, all kinds of, you know, uh, in terms of uh, maintaining their flocks. So we give that service to the smallholders. Um, but apart from that, they do their own thing as well. It sounds like you're empowering these growers to become rural entrepreneurs, right? They control their fate. As growers, they maintain leaf quality. They are responsible for delivering a high percentage of fine plucked leaves from each round. That is one area that we are very particular. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we don't take um, any type of leaf. Uh, we are very selective. Um, so we encourage them to bring a, a decent standard because, as you know, if you uh, put some garbage in, garbage out, right? So you have to make sure your raw material is good for you to have an end product. So we are very picky in terms of, you know, selecting a, a reasonably good standard of leaf. We do give them a small incentive for what we call super leaf. So... If you say the current lead standard is at about 50-55%, if you get something over 60-65, uh, 
then we give them an incentive for that amount of leave that they bring so that it's you know encouraging them to raise the bar for themselves get something back in turn and what we also educate them is if you get a higher price at the auctions you know the formula which the tboard has provided to work on the green leaf payment is again higher for them so that's the the positive on this vicious cycle we keep telling them do you offer a rate that you consider minimum most of the time but there are instances where not during the rush period but when there are lean months that we look at what the competition is doing and we try to uh we won't overpay because we don't believe in you know just because the neighbor pays x you go and try to match that because you test to make you know it's a business and the nature of the business is that your costs fluctuate and 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 then in the long run if you if you go down that path of paying a rate that the neighbor is paying right it doesn't make real business sense what we do is uh, we add a lot of value to their livelihoods yeah so what i give you some examples like for example uh, just a month ago we arranged the largest eye camp and health camp uh, in the vicinity in our premises so we had roughly about 1000 plus uh, uh, villagers and the small holders coming in to get their health checked up and that was a huge deal for them because some of them have never even tested a simple blood sugar test then so on that note then a couple of things that we introduced is we have we have a loyal small holders no who don't go to any competition because of a few rupees more so we've identified that group and what we're doing for them is they are next generation their children we are taking it in turns and giving them internships to understand the a to z of manufacture where plus what happens after the dispatch so the tasting that happens between the broker then we take them to a buyer uh, and give them that full experience and exposure and at the time of completing that cycle we will find them employment within the industry could be a buyer could be a broker could be even in our own uh, factories uh, so that's the educational part that we're doing but interesting what is a uh, small hold uh, next generation that we gave internship to um to uh, you know study the whole uh, factory process learn about manufacture uh, so we do this on a regular basis and once they finish we give them a certificate in you know, so this creates a second generation yeah farm yeah. and said it we help people leave the yeah. farm yeah because otherwise sustainability is something that we are also looking at you know uh and also they are then fully aware of you know uh, and also it builds that stickiness amongst the loyal uh, small holders and the factory and in the company etc then this is what we do for the community uh these are scholarship programs that we are conducting for all the school children in the vicinity for us it's not about paying something a little bit more than the competition and taking leave it's about actually deep diving into you know Uh, looking at enhancing the livelihood of the community and the small holders. Intrigued by what you heard in today's podcast? Would you like to learn more from our global network of T-Biz journalists and tea experts? Remember to visit the T-Biz website for more comprehensive coverage. 
That's www.t-bizbiz.com. Thanks for listening. Farewell till next week. Produced by Audavita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.